How's it going, coaches? If you want to learn more about how to install and run Weak Power, go check out my Weak Power install course at rtpclass.com. My course includes a series of seven videos totaling just over one hour and 20 minutes of film breakdown, blocking rules, philosophies, execution, and installation of Weak Power out of multiple offensive personnel and set, as well as seven downloadable and fully customizable documents used to enhance offensive line play and install Weak Power. This course puts an emphasis on offensive line play to enhance your team's ability to run and install weak power out of one and two back set. If you'd like to support our coaches in the podcast, go to the store section of our website, runthepower.com, and choose from three different designs of t-shirts, long sleeves, and sweatshirts, costing as little as $20. We are now partnering with Lyman Performance to give our listeners the best deal to date on their suit bone landmine attachment, which is a sleeve attachment for a standard weightlifting bar that allows athletes to keep their elbows in while executing landmine movements. Go to linemanperformance.com, order their product, and enter the code RTPNATION in all capital letters at checkout to get $10 off your order and a free RTP t-shirt. Again, go to linemanperformance.com, enter RTPNATION in all caps at checkout for $10 off and a free podcast t-shirt. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Powerlift. We don't just like Powerlift because of their awesome name. We also use Powerlift at Broken Arrow and Ankeny to design both of our facilities. They not only have a good product, they also have a bunch of good dudes. They don't come off as those greasy bad car salesmen that you run into a lot of the time. Instead, you get to work with guys like former guest J.R. Conrad, guys that truly care about the game and your football team and want to help you build your strength program. Powerlift is a trusted program that is designed the University of Oklahoma, University of Iowa, Baylor University, and Mater D High School's weight facility just in the last few years, along with many, many more. Let Powerlift take your unique needs and use them to design your state-of-the-art facility. From concept to completion, choose Powerlift. Powerful ideas, powerful results, made in the USA. Go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com. Again, for any of your weight facility needs, go check out Powerlift at power-lift.com and tell them Run the Power sent you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. It's got 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium, any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. We use this at Broken Arrow. Uh, We've got the butt shot and the wide shot. It is crucial in games to be able to see that. I can tell, did a team get into four and four eyes? Are they just really loose threes? Uh, is, it a, is it a tight shade or is he head up? Um, it works great for us. I can tell where they're slanting, when they're blitzing. Uh, you know, so many times you've had a kid come off the field and say they're getting uh, a guy blitzing in every gap, right? But here you can go back, you can look at it. We've got our OC up in the press box looking at the wide, me on the sideline looking at the tight, and, and we can actually hook these up to TVs on the sideline, show the kids. It works great. It's worked every time. Uh, I love being able to use it. Sky Coach, to be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach, the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. Again, if you want a great sideline replay, go to myskycoach.com to learn more. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site football players, and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents, guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Dominic Pasolano. Coach Pasolano is the head coach at Allenby Shepherd High School in Palos Heights, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. Listen as we talk with Coach Pasolano about recruiting and keeping players out for football in your high school, ideas of competition and engagement in your high school strength program, and coaching some special teams. You can follow Coach Pasolano on Twitter, at Coach D. Pasolano. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, Co- Coach Pass, man, we'll let you uh, kind of intro, you know, who you, who you are, where you coach up there in uh, Chicago, and then 
I know you wanted to talk a lot about, you know, some of the stuff you did do the, the Glacier Clinic about. And honestly, I think a bunch of our viewers would, would love to hear about, you know, how to turn around a program, keeping kids out, because it seems like, man, it's a, it's a perpetual state where, where football is yeah. kind of getting attacked here, you know, and, and we're looking for ways to, to combat maybe, you know, the air-conditioned gyms of the, the AU basketball ranks and, and things like that. So uh, we'll kind of just give you the floor, man, and we'll let you roll for a while. Okay, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, last nine years, I've been the head coach at uh, Shepherd High School. Uh, program had struggled. Uh, you know, I mean, it didn't have, like, it had spot success uh, over its history, but just really no consistency. Then prior to that, they'd only won, like, nine games, made the playoffs, like, one time in previous 15 years, and they had to cancel lower-level seasons, and this was before all the concussion stuff. So it's, like, one of those deals where, not having a whole lot of success, you go above and beyond to like uh, basically beg and plead kids to get them out of the hallway. So doing that initially, you just always had to do that all the time. And the biggest thing, uh, like I always say, like uh, and, and to football coaches, like I don't know how many guys have coached wrestling, but I think it's becoming sort of like if you're not at a wrestling school, how you had to beg and plead and work to get kids out and do stuff to make it like incentives and make it worthwhile to come out for the team. So, uh, I mean, you know, like everything that I think everybody you see, you know, on social media and stuff that everybody's using social media and posting videos and posting all the stuff they, they have done within their program. I think everybody's doing that. It's just, it's sort of like a grind and keeping on it, you know? So it, 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 and, and it, it's just tough because I could see like, you know, you see it like guys post like at the beginning of the off season, not everybody's excited. They had a great first day. And now this is the time of year where everybody's posting like, well, you know, if you're not in the weight room, you're not going to be playing. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it's like one of those deals where like, you know, I think like just, I, I, you know, I, I mean, everybody's got a different situation, but pushing kids to track and getting guys that, you know, coach uh, with you and they're on your coaching staff to coach other spring sports to keep those kids involved and tied into stuff after school, you know. So that was one thing, too. We just had a lot of guys, uh, they were coaching spring sports and then pushing those kids to spring sports and then being track coaches. You know, we tied that in the track practice with the weight room. So how many how many kids have you guys kind of had out there, coach? Have you guys, you know, what would you start with? Where are you guys at right now? You know, kind of how big is the school? Well, the school, the Shepherd is, uh, it fluctuates between 17, 1800 kids. So initially like uh, nine years ago, there were like under, uh, 100 kids. This past season, we had 155 kids out. And then, uh, Chicago, Illinois is one of those deals where they do three levels, freshman, sophomore varsity. So they used to cancel the sophomore level a lot. And we had 42 kids out for sophomore football. And I think the biggest thing, uh, that we always did was just having like individual meetings with every kid, like especially the kids that were going to be varsity players. We set up individual meetings, whether that kid was, you know, the best kid on the team or the kid that, you know, wouldn't even give you a look on scout team because it was like, you just need every kid that's, you know, walking the halls out for that team. And biggest thing too, is I always say like, I mean, this is no, I mean, we can't, we could go on a, old topic on uh administrators nowadays but a lot of these administrators don't know if it's they don't know if it's stuffed or pumped you know but but the thing is this they could look on the sidelines and see wow this guy doesn't have a lot of kids out for the team or you know is he running kids off because he's too hard on them or you know i mean but then they look and see your sidelines full and they're like oh hey you know it's these kids are having a great experience it's you know let's let's back off and allow this guy to do his job and you know, so it was always like trying to get those kids all to stay out for the team. So you had a full sidelines and, you know, and taking that individual approach to every single kid, whether they were good or the last kid on the roster. I was going to say that kind of seems to be the fine line because you want to keep kids out, but then also you don't want to water it down so much that now your team suffers for it being, you know, um, a little more in inclusive or yeah, inclusive. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always thought, too, like those those type of kids, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's different, maybe different parts of the country, different uh, type of areas, you know, around our state or different states and whatnot. But like where we're at and everything, it's sort of like those type of kids, like just weed themselves out. Like as far as being a distraction within the program or distraction in the locker room, those kids always just sort of disappeared. Uh, 
you know, and, and it was like, we're, we're at, we're a unique situation. We had a lot of kids from different communities and uh, very diverse uh, communities and taking a lot of those kids from those communities, you're sort of doing like a, uh, you know, you're, you're getting positive press because you're doing more for them besides the athletic component of it, you know? So, I mean, the thing, I don't know how, like, like, I don't know how the other states do it, but in Illinois, all our football stuff is done during the summer. So you get 25 days in the summer and they get the kids, you know, cause you're like, you guys brought up basketball and baseball and fighting all that. You know, you got to go an extra mile to sort of keep kids in tune to showing up every day in the heat. Honestly, it's, it's the same up here. I know I've been in Oklahoma where coach Harper is, uh, and a lot of that stuff was kind of handled in the, the spring and then the summer was yeah. very minimal football. It was all just kind of conditioning. You, you had to really watch what you were doing football wise. I think you, you know, you could go to one team camp and compete a little bit and then you could have some seven on seven competition, but then, you know, yeah. the way, the way you have it in Illinois is how I have it now in Iowa. Literally football yeah. start starts for us on June 1st. Now that doesn't mean we can put on the pads and start cracking people. We can, we can just do as many team activities as we want. We can be training our guys. We can be running plays. Sure. We can even have helmets on if we want. We just can't wear any pads. So it's the same thing with you, but that, that, morator- that moratorium also ends for everyone else. So June 1st, they can have basketball yeah. practice. June 1st, they have all the baseball. You know, June 1st can have – I mean, they can have volleyball. Literally every single sport is able yeah. to do that in the summer. So that's the biggest gripe that I have up here. It's, you know – we can't do anything during these other months, but then when it, t- it comes to time to where we can have football, everyone else gets a free for all too. And I just feel bad for yeah. some of these kids because they're getting pulled in six directions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And, and, and that was the thing too. I was always like with the summer, like, okay, they say for football, like in Illinois, they're like, you get 25 days, use them how you want to use them. But then you got the basketball coach and got the baseball coach. And then, you know what? I mean, I've always been a uh, big for wrestling, multi-sports, basketball, baseball, track, all that stuff. But it always seems like, you know, the football coaches do a pretty good job in, in you know, promoting multi-sports, I think, from my mm-hmm. experience. But as soon as, like, you know, like, and there's always like, oh, we got to compromise, we got to compromise. But then you also, too, like, your season's right around the corner in the summer. And as soon as you sort of, you know, you, hey, I'll compromise and meet you halfway, but then they'll gripe when, you know, it's sort of you sort of it's one of those deals where it's like you never get anything back in return and you're always the one that's compromising but as soon as you go to sort of like hey look out for what's important for your program then they're like well there's the football coach that's being selfish and hoarding kids you know it's sort of you run into that sometimes but you know I mean I I look at it like in in terms of numbers uh and where it's going like I don't know if it's going to be a regional deal. I don't know if it's going to be only in certain communities. I don't know how that's all going to shake out. I don't know if this is something that's, you know, we're here right now. And then in five, 10, 15 years, it's, you know, something new or it's blown over or, you know, this was just the cycle that we're going through. So. I, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, it, it's, it is dangerous. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens because, you know, quite honestly, the, the some of the decision makers out there, I don't know if they do have football's best interest at heart yeah. or or they're doing some knee-jerk reactions, whatever it may be. But uneasy. I've talked about it with one of the guys that I've worked with for the, the last decade, and he's been saying it. And he thinks football is going to go, you know, uh, in a lot of places towards more of like a club model. Uh, what do you think about that? You, yeah, you think it's, yeah. it's maybe headed that direction? I'm not saying every state, you know, I think – you know, Broken Arrow, places in Oklahoma, I think those places will be fine. They love they yeah. love football. But I think some of the places up north, you might see some of that happening. See, and that's, that's, that's what I was getting. Like, you know, like regionally, like that's just ingrained in communities. That's ingrained in uh, the communities and the people. I mean, I you know, I, I can't speak for them, obviously. I'm not from there. But you're, just from an outsider, it's like you just see it. It's like it's ingrained in uh, who they are. And, you know, the club aspect of it, you worry about because you see just, you know, the, the – the bad side of things like, you know, just here, we, you know, not taking a shot at AAU basketball, but I mean, you just see, you know, when you're, when you're within a building and you're working with certified teachers and it's a certified, you know, uh, you know, they're going to look out for the in, in the safety of the kids, you know, because yeah. their job's on the line because their job is tied in to being a teacher and educator in the building. And, 
you know, if that was to go to club route, you'd sort of worry about, well, now do those guys have the best interest of those kids and safety and whatnot. So, you know, you'd worry about that, but, and, but then too, like you look like, I mean, it's still look at, look at where all the kids are showing up Friday night, all the kids, I mean, the communities still, you know, whatever, I think in Chicago to central Illinois to St. Louis to all these other areas in the Midwest here, people still look forward and the coverage you see in the newspaper and the buildup every week, you know, it's, it's still compared to a lot of the other high school sports, you know, I mean, there's still a buildup to Friday night football. So. It's definitely, you know, something I think we got to look out for, but like you just said it and I think it was a great point, you know, that there's um, first week of every year and then towards the end too, there's, there's uh, high school games on ESPN. So um, yeah, it's definitely is still, still thriving in, in some points, but you know, mm-hmm. like walls, like you said, it, it's, um, you know, it, it can be under attack, especially in certain areas. So uh, it's great. And I, I love hearing, Coach, kind of what you're doing to, to keep these kids out and keep them in football because it is important. And I think we've seen that. And with a lot of the guys we've talked to, we've heard that, uh, what football can do for a kid that uh, – for a young man that doesn't have maybe a whole lot else going for him and gets into football and can, can change his whole – the way his whole life is going. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think, too, like one of those deals, like football coaches, too, are understand. like, I mean, in a lot of places right now, I was talking to a guy I'm friends with and they're like, well, you know, a couple of kids didn't show up to the meeting I had today. And they were like, I don't know if I'm playing football this year. And I'm like, you know what? Kids say that every year. And like, you can't, you know, write those kids off because come week four, week five, you're probably going to need those kids. And yeah, I mean, we would look at it like those kids are going to let us down and those kids are, you know, I mean, they're letting us down right now or, you know, I mean. But you got to, I mean, they're kids, they're teenagers, it's a different, I mean, they are different nowadays, you know, and you got to like sort of keep working on them to keep them on the team because you're going to need them at some point. And I don't think that's like back, you know, I don't think that's being soft. I don't think that's, uh, you know, being a, you know, a pushover as a coach. It's, you got to be realistic to where you're coaching at and, you know, the time that we're coaching in. So, no, there's no doubt. And like I said, man, it's, it's an uphill struggle with some of these guys. You know, I've, I've talked to coach, yeah. Ale- I've talked to coach Alexander a couple of times and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having to do some things where, you know, maybe you're, you're trying to re- recruit some kid, kids and, and coach A was down at BA and you know, Hey man, ba- basketball, basketball is a lot easier. Let's be honest. You yeah. know I mean? It's, yeah. it, it's air conditioned in the summertime. It's nice. You're playing a lot of games, you're shooting hoops. So, I mean, a lot of kids kind of see that, that easier path. Whereas all of a sudden they look at football, it is going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a lot more work. You know, it, it, you're preparing me to play a more violent game. You know, it's just yeah. naturally the, the nature of the game. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of things out there that you can do. You know, I think uh, the the proliferation of some of the, the seven-on-seven stuff. I mean, <laughs> as bad as it might suck to watch quarterbacks out there and visors and stuff throw, well, hey, there's a lot of skill <laughs> – there's a lot of skill kids out there that, you know, that that's maybe a way to keep some of those kids out, you know, and talk yeah, to some of these yeah, basketball no, kids. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, dude, you're, you're, you're a six, three post player. It's, it's probably not going to work out that well for you. You know, I know you love basketball. I'll let you keep playing it, but maybe give football a look and here's what you're going to do. You know, and you, and you go out and you, you sling the football around it. It gets some of those guys an opportunity, you know, to maybe see, you know what, hey, maybe this isn't that bad. This is kind of fun. I, yeah. I like scoring a touchdown. There's more people in the stands. You know, this is this is pretty awesome. So, I think there's a, a lot of things you can do, especially for those guys. And I know Coach Harper's come up with a lot of interesting stuff that he does with, you know, his offensive line to make offensive line cool. You know, is there some yeah. of that stuff you're kind of doing with your guys? Do you have certain clubs or, you know, do you have uh, things that you kind of give away to keep those yeah. guys, you know, interested, competitive? What are some of those things you're doing at Shepherd, Coach? Uh, things we always did was uh, we would always try to have uh, weekly and daily, like and now talking in terms of the off season, because it just pertains when we're, where we're at right now and everything like, and uh, if anybody's listening, uh, you know, w- what we do in the off season was having a daily challenges. And, you know, I mean, you, there's stuff that you don't, you could do without having to have another fundraiser or purchase something or have some athletic director purchase it for you. And, what we would just do is just get athletic tape and tape it up on the wall and have their kids' names. And, you know, we'd have a dip challenge, a curl challenge, a pull-up challenge, uh, some sort of body weight challenge. And then, you know, I mean, rank the kids and, and try to get as many up there as we can. And their names are visible. So then they'll take the picture, they'll tweet it out uh, so everybody in school could see it. And then all the kids that come through, uh, they're for PE the next day. 
see the kids' names up there. And, I mean, something as simple as athletic tape and just put the standings up there on the wall in the weight room and everybody sees that and it was free. And, you know, and then the other stuff, you know, I mean, uh, having rewards, you know, quick, easy rewards with uh, protein shakes, PB&J in the offseason, uh, you know, I mean, pizzas and, uh, you know, just sort of team events like that, you know, to reward them and reward those younger guys to keep them coming back and keep them hooked in. So, and then in the summer, breaking it up, uh, teaching them how to compete. So we would do competition uh, stations and then each day rotate kids that are in charge of those groups that, you know, compete against other groups and then talking about competition and rewarding those kids and rewarding program kids to keep those program kids coming back. So that's a lot of stuff that we did, uh, like, you know, in terms of incentives and that type of stuff. I like that you talk about, you know, you don't have to spend money to uh, make a yeah. big impact on these kids. I know my dad's a, the head coach at a small school in Oklahoma, and he's still got mm-hmm. a chalkboard up in his weight room with the, with the top uh, maxers with bench and squat, and the kids still love it, you know, and it's just a, up on yeah. a chalkboard. Yeah. But it, it means something to those kids, like you said. And then uh, we had a coach on, uh, Coach Bunting, that – what do you call it, Walls? Sacks and stats for snacks? Yeah, and, stat, uh, stats for snacks. Yeah, and so he'd, uh, okay. you know, on, on Saturdays, he'd, he'd have a bunch of candy as they're watching film, and the kids that, you know, won, they'd get just a little piece of candy. But obviously, uh, getting something in front of their teammates was, was what gave it to yeah. them. But I like that you mentioned that, Coach, and, and that you found some, some cool ways, some cool inexpensive ways to, um, you know, make it fun and make it a big deal to these kids because, uh, you know, that is extremely important. And, and, and the thing, too, is, like, I know every – you know, athletic department has their uh, all school sports night or all, you know, fall sports night, spring sports night, et cetera. And they print out uh, certificates. So just something as simple as getting the template and uh, we have it on Microsoft publisher. Uh, you know, we had the template for the certificate. So then we would just copy and paste a different logo on there, change the certificate, but, you know, put in the kids, you know, feeding their little egos, put in their names on everything is possible. And I mean, if a kid, is a senior in high school or freshman in high school, you give a certificate out to them or, you know, they've got their name on it and they might, you know, maybe the older guys might be like a little too cool to it sometimes, but deep down they see their name on it and that's something they take pride in. And once again, that's something we didn't have to spend money on. We just, you know, stole the template from the athletic department and printed them <laughs> off, you know, in our uh, teachers. Sure. Uh, I mean, we just burned, <laughs> we burned the color ink printer and, you know, people would be like, who's burning the color ink printer? And I'm like, well, you don't, man, I'm, <laughs> you're not here after school when I'm here so you don't you don't see us doing it so but like little stuff like that uh, allegedly we wouldn't want them to hear it on this on this podcast allegedly that's what happens um I'm sure you'd never never do that no there's a lot of allegedly stuff that I could go into on yeah, this yeah. podcast but I'm not gonna uh... <laughs> well um that's funny you said even uh even with you know, the, the coaches, the coaches love their name on stuff. I know uh, yeah. our offensive coordinator, you know, one day as a goof, because uh, the, the head coach, you know, told me I did something that no one wanted to do. He said, you're the assistant coach of the year or whatever. And so as a goof, the coordinator uh, put up his temple, template and put my name on it, yeah. ran it off, you know, to be funny. And, and so I just took it and I, I uh, taped it up to the wall. But even, even something as stupid as that, you know, even coaches enjoy that. Uh, so I think you're you're spot yeah. on, coach. Those kids love anyone loves you know getting a recognition and having their name on something. Yeah, uh, you know the thing too is, uh, I mean, when when you go and and everybody should have the opportunity. Like it is, it, it's crazy. Like you go in a sort of like you know every place has powerhouse programs and like those powerhouse programs they're good and they're good for a reason, obviously. But you go in a, a situation where it's like you got to like work to get the kids out, plead and beg with the kids to get, you know, and just some of those rough places that haven't won as much, you get a different, in, uh, you know, point of view on things. And you, you know, you find, you try to find any way that you can to get a little of an edge to get kids out. So. I saw, I saw a pretty cool thing on Twitter today uh, and I don't know what school was that did it, but they had like a freshman signing day. And so they brought some yeah. of the freshmen up and, and hung up a Jersey behind them and, and had a big table that they signed something on. And, um, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't know, I don't know how well it would work at bigger schools or whatever, but it was, it, was a, it was a cool, interesting concept for those kids to, you know, kind of be signing into the, 
the new high school program, you know, taking that step up into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 well, where we're at, like up here, I don't know how it is where you guys are at, but where we're at up here, it's a big uh, recruiting. You got the Catholic schools, you got the private schools, you got all the schools in the area here. So, I mean, I don't know if we would be able to do that or a lot of the, you know, some of the schools would be able to do that in our area, but that would be, a, uh, I know, something that would draw a lot of attention. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hey, you, you say, hey man, I'm, I'm just, hey man, I'm just trying to compete with the other ones that are recruiting around no, here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, one of the things I mean, it, it, we do it here at, at Ankeny too, and I, and there's, I think there's a lot of people that maybe kind of scoff a little bit at it, but but they do. It's it's similar to what you were talking about, Coach, where they print off the their certificate, but they call it a, a soaring hawk award. So we're the Hawks, yeah. you know, and you, and you give it out to a kid who you know it it could be a high flyer or it could be a kid who's shown improvement in your classroom, but you know, it also yeah. gave me a chance to, to write, it was, it was kind of a personal note and it, and it became an award that they actually do at a ceremony. And I think that they do it every couple of months, but you know, there, there's been two or three kids where I've, I've written some words about that kid, some words of encouragement, you know, maybe kind of push them to the next level. And it's been some awesome success stories. I mean, some of the things you hear back from those kids. So, so one of the kids who I wrote a, a thing to, he's like, you know, coach that really helped my confidence. And now he's going yeah. to West West Point. He's actually going to be in the military right. academy, you know. And you hear from some of maybe the girls he had in class, you know, hey, that really helped my confidence, Mr. Walls. I really appreciate it. But, I mean, some, some of those things, just really small like that, you know, and I know you said having your individual meetings, you know, writing down something about that kid that they do really, really well. Yeah. Those kids will remember that stuff forever. And I think there's, there's, yeah. no, there's, there's no price you can put. There's no T-shirt you can build for you just speaking greatness into that kid. So I think a lot of the kids, you know, that you've had and you're able to keep out, I mean, it, it makes it really, really special, the, the stuff that you're actually doing for these kids. And, and I'm sure you could, you could name off a number of kids that you've had that, you know, probably yeah. had maybe no business coming out of the neighborhood that they lived at in Chicago. Right. Yeah. But oh, being yeah. in the shepherd, oh, yeah. shepherd football program, all of a sudden now that kid's got a chance at life, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you see, and you know what, I'll tell you this, and I would say this, that, and you know, like a young guy going in first year head coach, I got to establish my culture. I got to establish who I am on that. I'm in charge and all that stuff, which is important. But the thing I, the thing, the biggest thing I learned is like, I mean, you got to give kids four or five, a lot of these guys, four or five chances, and they're going to let you down five or six times and maybe yeah. even more. And it's like, you know, like at first, oh, you know, hey, go home, you're kicked off the team. And it was easy to kick kids off the team. And now it's like, I mean, it, you, you know what, like it, it, they don't know and they don't know, they don't know, and they have no clue on it. And, you know, I mean, kicking them off is the easier thing to do. And that gives them st uh, street cred and credibility. You know, I got kicked off the team and, and, you know, but keeping them out and working with them. And some of them you're going to turn, some of them they're going to, you know, not, but, you know, you, you, you serve the greater purpose. So. Yeah, it's like you said, a lot of it, it works itself out. You know, you've given the kid five, six chances. You've tried to love him up. It, it's just not working. But a lot of those kids, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, you do see them start to stick. All of a sudden, they start showing up at class. Maybe now they're getting Ds instead of Fs. I mean, you, you see market improvement. Yeah. And honestly, th those are the kind of stories that make you feel pretty good as a coach because those are the same ones that come back. It's like, hey, coach, I got a job, man. You know, I went to, yeah. to junior college. I got a two-year associate's degree. I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that just makes you feel really, really good as a coach, I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Coach, you also said uh, you went over some special teams. Uh, you know, what, what kind of stuff did you talk about special teams-wise? <laughs> uh, well, special teams. So, uh, what was it? You know, they were like, hey, can you speak on special teams? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll speak on special teams and everything. And uh, coaching, I was fortunate enough. Uh, there was a guy that was a big special teams guy. And this guy is someone I think uh, you guys should have on uh, if you want to talk special teams. He coaches special teams at St. Xavier. His name is Jimmy Flynn. So anyway, Jimmy Flynn uh, has been coaching at St. Xavier, fanatic about special teams. So I took his uh, punt because we've used his punt. It was a shield punt. And then just went over some of the teaching progressions with shield punt. And then we worked a lot of fake punts. Uh, so went over some of the fake punts. And then we uh, ran one kickoff return, and the one th it was one guy that showed up to a guy from Fort Myers showed up to this <laughs> kickoff return deal, and he's like, you know, I mean, the guy looked depressed, and I'm like, hey, you know, because I was packing up, and he's like, 
you know, yeah, my head coach said I got to be the special teams coordinator this year at my high school. I'm like, here's the deal, man. Here's where, here you go. I go, first thing I knew was, I'm like, you're going to have kids in detention and personnel with special teams and kickoff return namely, you know, is tough. And he's like, yeah. So I said, what you do is you take your 11 guys. And this is the one thing I think anybody can get out of this and, and what I learned. You take your 11 guys, you work one kickoff return to the right side. So those kids on the left side back up the kids on the right side because most likely, you know how it is, some kid on the right side that you're depending on is going to get in detention or not show up one day, and he moves down to the special teams depth chart. So you move that left kid over to the right side, then you take one of the slappies that's back, you know backing up both sides, throw him on the left side, hide him, and there you go. And he's like, thanks, man. And so anyway, going back to special teams, I don't want to bore you, and people might be tuning out. That was uh, <laughs> just so. the special team stuff. <laughs> hey, man, special teams have actually – the two we've put up have been two of our biggest ones, so you're hitting the sweet spot, yeah. man. Yeah, but I'm telling you, if anything, I recommend – I'll talk to Jimmy Flynn. You get this guy, Jimmy Flynn, on, talk special teams with you guys. He's a fanatic about special teams. He has a 170-page uh, manual for his special team stuff that he does uh, at St. Xavier up here in Chicago, NAIA program, so – Dang, that's great. That, that's a lot. That's a lot of pages on uh, special teams. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you said though about you know making it simple. That was what um, that's what uh, hot Carl, was it? yeah, Coach uh, Coach Johnson. That's what he said. Yeah. You know, they they had a pretty simple uh kickoff return and and they drilled it and they drilled it a million times and and he you know for some of the same reasons you said it's easy to. Plug a new kid in if you need to uh, plug a new kid in, and and you don't take a lot of time on on repping it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know how it is. You're gonna hide some kids out there. You can't run. Uh, some of the programs got kids going both ways. You can't run them down. You got to preserve them. And it's like, sort of like, hey, we'll have the left side back up the right side. We'll rep it out, and then you know, I mean, something happens, a kid misses, or you know, you can't find another kid to plug in there on there. So. Well, well, not like like I said. It doesn't sound like we want to talk special teams for too long. But just to, <laughs> while we're st- while we're still on it, um, what are some things that you that you do to try to t- try to build that emphasis around your kid? To me, the the hardest thing to do with special teams is make it a big deal. Um, and and uh, you know, I got to go down to UT one one time, and you know, they told their kids, "Hey, if you don't touch, if uh, you'll never touch the ball on offense unless you play special teams." And then they made it a big deal to play special teams now if they follow through with that or not i've got no idea i just know it's the yeah. clinic but uh you know what are some things that you, that you try to do around your team to make it a big deal for for your better kids to want to be on special teams i think the first thing that we always kicked off with was uh fake punts because the fake punts got the kids excited and then we never had any trouble uh getting kids out for punt team and that was, I mean, that's the most important thing with pun team and everything. So we kicked off uh, with fake punts. Uh, we always did uh, all the guys in terms of, uh, you know, all the skill positions within special teams. We would set that aside, make an emphasis at the beginning of uh, practice on it. So all those skill kids that thought they were return guys, because once again, kids get amped up to return or they think they're a returner. You know, we'd have them back there fielding and uh, getting work with the long snappers. And then uh, the biggest thing, too, was uh, we called it the cult of the kicker. Uh, you know, it was like looking for little edges that you could get a, a, an edge. And the soccer team was really good at the high school that we're at. And we, you know, formed a relationship with the soccer coach. And we had some good kickers come through and some kids that, uh, you know, kicked 50-yard, 40, you know, 40-something yard field goals. And, uh, you know, they would boom it. And it was uh, great attention, positive attention for our program. and. Uh, you know, we always had a consistent kicking game from it. So just like little things like that. And, and then, you know, this, like if you got a kicker that's kicking it out of the end zone every time, the kids aren't, uh, kids will jump out there to run down on kickoff. So little stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So co- but the fake punts, the fake punts, the fake punts really helped us out. They got the kids like sort of amped up for uh, special teams. What are some of your favorite fake punts, Coach? I mean, you don't have to tell us the names or anything, but what are what are one or two of your favorites? Uh, you know what? We had uh, a rugby one where we'd motion the kid across, uh, and the kid that was on the backside there on the uh, line was eligible, so we would, uh, you know, flow away and throw back to him, uh, to the eligible receiver. 
we had a you know a double reverse uh, crisscross uh, in the backfield <laughs> there off our kickoff, like a kickout power type blocking, uh, and then you know just a direct snap where we, it would be just like power blocking kickout fold through. But then the kid that made a big play for us on it didn't even run underneath the kickout block. He bounced outside and housed it for a touchdown. So, hey. Never bounce power unless you're going to score a touchdown. Then it's okay. Well, and this kid's pretty fast. So we're like, oh, it's a big play. It's a touchdown. So, you know. That's right. You score a touchdown. You just yep. tell him good job. Yeah, yeah. I remember Coach Trimble, had a, he had a coach on there one time, and a guy, he was a receivers coach, and a guy caught a hitch. And, the, and he always tell the kid, hey, turn outside, catch the hitch, turn outside. Well, the, the kid caught the hitch and turned inside and went like 85 for a touchdown. So they're in their grade, yeah. and, fil- they're in their grade and film the next day, and the guy gave him a minus on an 85-yard touchdown because he didn't turn <laughs> outside. <laughs> and Triple, Triple told the guys, like, uh, that's not a minus. I'm sorry. We're going we're gonna to have to change your grading system. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that we'll was pretty damn funny. On that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, you take it to the house 85, I think we're good. Uh, coach Dom, man, I wanted to ask yeah. you, you know, you're a head coach, so obviously you're, you're doing a ton of, of interviews. You're having to, to find coaches. You know, how easy is it for you to find maybe some of your lower-level coaches? And then what are some things you're kind of looking for in coaches, you know, uh, at your level up there in Chicago? You know what? Um, I think the biggest thing is with the, the, the teaching positions, how it is up here is this is, uh, people get tenure. Uh, once they get tenure, it's tough for spots to open up within the building. So it's always tough to uh, find uh, people that, you know, that are going to be in-house coaches. You know, you got the in-house guys that are teachers and coaches for you. So you're doing everything possible. And that's one big thing, too, is retention of coaching staff. I mean, guys now, at least up here in public school setting, make so much money they don't need that stipend. So they start having young families and they start having other uh, – demand placed on them and they're like well you know I don't need to do this or I could go coach over here now that I'm tenured my buddies at another school and I could go coach with them so you do everything possible to keep them out and make it easy for them to coach you know not load them up with uh you know little little uh uh you know equipment and all that stuff that's going to burn guys out and wear guys out and then not being those like my coach guys like my defensive coordinator my offensive coordinator you know we're like in this all together and you get two or three guys, you do everything humanly possible to keep them coaching. So in terms of uh, finding guys, it's tough. I mean, you know, I'm sure certain schools have an easier time attracting guys or finding guys, but uh, finding good guys is tough now. And, you know, when you meet a guy, you're, you're right away, you just feel him out like, hey, is this guy going to be good for kids? And maybe he might be a little short on maybe the X's and O's side of it, but you can tell he's a good guy. You can tell he's a hard worker and he's a team player. So, I mean, you sort of feel that out first 10, 15 minutes, you know, you're sitting down talking to him. You hang out with a lot of those guys. I mean, as far as outside of the outside of coaching or whatever, you guys got a pretty tight knit crew or is it kind of everyone that yeah, goes off on their you own? Know what? No, we, we did. And you know what? Like, Early on, it was like the four horsemen. We came into town and we were going to run wild a little bit. And, you know, like oh, now we're all older and have kids now. And it's like you look back, you're like, man, we were idiots when we first got into coaching and the stuff we would do. Like, you know, but that's where we came together and we formed that bond. And, you know, we stuck with each other over time and everything. And now everybody's got kids and, you know, they're living the clean lifestyle. So living clean living. I was going to say, Dom, I mean, I, I know I've heard some stories, so you've obviously changed a lot over the years. I know I have as well, you know, working with Coach yeah. Baker and stuff, the same thing. But, you know, what would you say some of the, the biggest mistakes maybe you did make when you were younger? Because I know for me, I, I was a horrible listener. Like, I, I had to be yeah. really, really, really tough to work for and work with because I was pretty stubborn and I wouldn't listen to people. But what would you say What was maybe some of the, the things you did when you were younger that you needed to work on? You know what I think it was, was going back to what I said with the kids, like, I wish I would have known earlier, like, you know, like, I mean, I, like some of those kids, I used to just ride and ride and ride and was relentless on them. And it's like, I look back, I'm like, I'm lucky some of those kids didn't walk. Like some of those kids didn't say like, forget this, like, man, this guy, (laughs) like he is on me like nonstop. Like in, in regards to like not giving kids more chances, like, you know, not, not 
and and like oh man like i you know i'm soft or whatever it's having more perspective now like having perspective like you know like yeah. man you should have gave a couple kids here and there more chances and they weren't even kids that were players too like that were like gonna go make plays for you on friday they were just kids that needed to be part of the team more than the team needed them so you sort of have those regrets you know and having that perspective now being at it long enough Coach, before you got into before you got into head coaching, uh, what side of the ball were you coaching? Uh, I did defense. Uh, so I was in small college, did that, and I was fortunate. The guy that uh, I coached with, uh, you know, had been uh, you know a longtime coach, uh, been all over the place, uh, and he was uh, very detailed, hard worker. So I lucked out, and that's where uh, you know got in and was coaching with those guys and. Uh, did that on the defensive side of the ball and it was more now I look back on it it wasn't so much the defensive side of stuff but the details and the hard work and the attention to detail and that type of stuff that really helped well the part that um, you know that, that's cool for me to hear is that you talk about getting with uh, the four horsemen I think as you said but uh, having those guys be able to stick around and and uh, you know kind of stay loyal to each other and 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 uh, be a part of the same group because for whatever reason, sometimes it seems pretty difficult for some coaches. Uh, you wouldn't think it would be in football, but uh, it's a it's a lot of guys moving around uh, to a lot of different yeah. places. So it's nice when you do get some guys that you can really work with and trust and that and that they decide to stay together and, and build something with you. Yeah, you know what? I always hated that word assistant because it was like, I, you know, oh, yeah, you know, here this guy the assistant he's not assisting me like i like i like i was fortunate and i always wanted to have guys around that were like smart and knew certain areas and stuff and i'm like man i can learn from these guys you know like it's like wow man i learned you know the special team stuff from that guy or quarterback play or passing and then you're like wow that's you know and i mean i hate that i hate you know the my coordinator my coach you know assistant like i'm they're assisting me they're not i mean they work with you they're you know i it's and and you hear that too like you'll have an athletic director like those are your guys you need to be in charge of them and you're like you don't get it man like you know we're in this together you know so dude no i i i I completely agree with that man i mean once you're able to create that that we mentality you know you you get buy-in from everybody and and it's legitimate buy-in and you, you have defined roles for guys I just think it becomes so much fun. I mean, I remember, you know, being a coordinator yeah. that last year at BA, I mean, I'd, I'd never had so much fun, you know, when you're, when you're in charge yeah. of a, a crew of guys like that and it's a, a fun group of guys. I mean, you want to sit there in the office literally all day. I mean, I, yeah. I never wanted to go anyplace else because I was having such a blast. Yeah. And, and you know what, you know, you could vouch for this too, man. And I'm, is you may look and you know what, the offense is on, on it that night. And they're, they're like, you know, the offensive line is moving and everybody's playing and you know but the defense is struggling and then the next game it could be the total reverse you know and I it's like I never understood that like the defense versus the offensive guys or the offense and deep versus defensive guys like because <laughs> at any time that thing could flip man that a player goes down and all of a sudden you go from being you know a really good defense to just being a mediocre defense or you know offense so yeah I just never got that well, you got to really be careful for the kids doing that as well. I know I've been a part of some teams that uh, the kids start getting really angry with yeah. the other side and, and, you know, placing that blame after the games. I was at Houston when we were putting up 60 points a game and then, uh, you know, whatever happened and, and we lose a good quarterback and the next season we're putting up only 21 and, and how quick it changes from us winning us every single game to now it's our fault we can't win a game. So, uh, yeah. you know, you got to be careful, I think, for that, too, with the kids. Oh, yeah, you can't fool those guys. Yeah, those kids will see that. Dom, I know uh, also being a, a head guy, you, you you know, you've traveled to, to do some of the Glazier stuff, but I know all the times I've, I've talked to you or I've texted with you, you know, you, you've always been kind of, you know, pushing the envelope and being able to find ways to, you know, to, to educate your kids. And then I also think, you know, you're pushing it to go learn more football. Is that something you kind of learned at a young age, you know, maybe being at a small school or has that just kind of been, you know, innate for you? I know you're going to the, to the Husker coaches clinic here in April. So I'm, I'm hoping to run India out there, but I, yeah. I know you've always, you've always kind of gone to, to study with guys. I think Holgerson was another guy you went and studied with, but you know, that was always one of the things I kind of admired about you as well, because, you know, you were constantly working on your craft and it wasn't like, you know, you'd ever act like, 
okay, I'm good. I don't need to, to get any better. You know, you always did push yourself. You still are. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Like I didn't, I mean, well, the thing is this is, I mean, I, you just know your when a guy knows his limitations and he knows what he doesn't know, you got to go <laughs> find people that know this stuff so that you can learn from them. And it's like, you know, you know, your limitations. You're like, like here, example, uh, we just, just by like situation and circumstance, we had like turnover with our offensive line coach and you know over the course of the last nine years we'd have like a different offensive line coach because guys would just get other positions and stuff so I'm like forget this like this is the most important position I'm going to coach offensive line and everybody's like you know nothing about offensive line well I'm like <laughs> going to find guys that know something about offensive line and steal everything from them and adapt it and teach it and simplify it for our kids so now really being in the offensive line it's like you know you go and you're like sort of a junkie for offensive line stuff and it's like they're their own little cult offensive line coach like you reach <laughs> yeah. out to them and they're like who are you like you know like you look like an offensive line coach and you're like no nah, I don't but you know hey I, this is an important position but all kidding aside that's like you know you got to find things where it's like, all right, these are the strengths of the other guys you're coaching with, and here we are, this is an important position, and find the people that know all this stuff, and you don't have an ego because it's all right to step out there and say, I don't know anything about this. Can you help me, and where, you know, where do I start? So, Well, the cool part is, too, to me, uh, when, you, when you go into something like that is how much you can learn so quickly. So um, if you've been an offensive line coach for 15 years, to learn something new about offensive line, you got to put in – hours and hours and hours to learn yeah. something maybe just barely you might learn just you know one one thing like they say but that might be over months and months of study where uh if it's a guy that decides hey i want to go learn about you know whatever defensive backs that's been coaching yeah. on for 15 years now you learn a ton in that same in in a couple days so so it makes it fun just to not have to work as hard to learn a bunch of new stuff as well yeah well, and you know what? I'll say this. Uh, offensive line coaches, you're the best coaches that are out there. I mean, that's the toughest position to coach. I mean, and I mean, you're getting the kids that are just thrown off over on the side. I mean, a lot of times the high school guys get kids that never played any sports because they were too big or too out of shape and working with those kids. And then on top of it, you got to be able to think like, I mean, it's and, and you got to be able to simplify all that blocking stuff down and all the different fronts and slants and stunts that you're going to see. It's I mean. It's it's a tough position to coach. No, it, there's no doubt, but there's no no more rewarding uh, position to coach if you ask me either. Coach, who'd you go yeah. talk? Who'd you go talk to about you know uh, offensive line play? Who were some of the guys you kind of sought out when you uh, when you had to go teach that position? Well, you know what? It was uh, I went on and got the membership to that with Charles Bentley, and then checked that stuff out, and then just going on all the stuff that you see that is available now on YouTube and. Uh, that you know the the past clinics that are on Glazier that you could pull up and you could you know just rifle through all that stuff and once again just being like well some of this stuff's advanced some of this stuff like you know I mean it, it doesn't fit to what we do and then how can I take this and apply it to our kids and also at the same time too the blocking scheme simplify it down to kids that don't have a lot of football experience especially in that position so I mean one little thing too that I pulled from that. Uh, was Charles Bentley was the medicine ball. So instead of like, you know, beating the crap out of each other or doing the hand shields, like, you know, I went out and bought three medicine balls and then I took uh, three other medicine balls from our weight room and just would work the kids, you know, for uh, hand placement and all our walkthrough stuff. Uh, so it's like little stuff like that you see and you pick up from other guys. Yeah, he's been a big influence on a lot of the guys. I mean, obviously being, you know, run the power podcast, a lot of the offensive line guys been on, you know, he, he's kind of taken it to a whole new level, and I think it's it's opened yeah. up a lot of avenues for guys, you know, that that either, you know, train offensive line or coach offensive line. It It's it's really kind of, uh, I don't know, Coach Harper called it on the last podcast, we did a, a renaissance of, of offensive line play and new technique. So it's kind of been a, a fun time to, to be coaching that position with and him something, around. Something that he does well, and it's something that um, it's not because of him, but our – but our head coach does it as well too, because he was an offensive line guy. Is is uh, he makes offensive line important? Um, you know, our head coach, uh, Coach Alexander, played in the NFL as an offensive lineman, and and he makes it important on the team to be an offensive lineman. He makes it 
be able to be a cool thing. And then, you know, I try to yeah. build off of that and make it a cool thing as well, but to where you're not just getting the kids that couldn't play any position, you know, it, it's a, uh, yeah. grow up, they kind of want to try to be offensive line. And I think that that's something that LaCharles Bentley's done a really good job of is, is not making it, Hey, the, the short fat kid that can't do anything else, go play offensive line. It's uh no, he's just the tall, big athletic kid. So, um, you know, yeah. I enjoy, I enjoy looking at a lot of his stuff as well. Coach, uh, with the offensive line, um, what is what are you guys uh, doing blocking, uh, you know, run game-wise this year? What are you looking at doing, and, and what are some ways that you are simplifying that for the kids? So uh, what we did was our base run, I mean, everybody would look at it like inside zone, but we didn't call it inside zone. We called it dive just because we found when we called something like uh, as far as zone, you know, we ran zone, uh, it looked like they were uh, slide protecting. So we were able to get uh, an inside zone as our base run. Uh, then we were running the wrap or fold that everybody's running now. Um, power, uh, we did power pitch, uh, power read, and then uh, jet. So we just ran our jet stuff and just got flat and wide and reached everybody and uh, just keeping it simple in the run game there. Did you ever get anyone uh, defensive ends when you're running your power read that cut your guard? I saw, I saw that in a few Texas films uh, with uh, Texas high school kids, and it looked, it looked brutal on some of those guards. Have, have you seen any of that? No, you know what? Uh, we did not. We, we did not face anybody that would cut. Uh, back in the day, uh, the high school that I was at, uh, you know, th- we would face a lot of uh, power teams like old school power and trap and stuff. So we did stuff like that. And our coaches, you know, would <laughs> teach us to, you know, I mean, do some of that. And, uh, but it, it was recently, no, I have not. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Typical defensive guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, coach, I know you'd sent me a, a couple of the stuff you guys had done with your power read. You guys did a, a really good job with it. I thought, I know I got a chance to watch some of your guys' yeah, film uh, this you. summer. So, I mean, on, yeah. honestly, that's that's one of the plays we, I mean, we we looked at and we used a lot of it this year. It was actually a pretty effective play, and I think it's probably going to be, you know, a little bit bigger package for us as well when we revisit it this year because we'll probably have a little bit more athletic QB or a more confident QB. Well, and, you, yeah, you know what? The, the only time the QB even kept it was when he was near the goal line. So, I mean – uh if he's athletic or if he's not athletic i mean i'm sure he'll pitch it if he thinks you know oh, here i am but if i'm close to goal line he's going to keep that thing so <laughs> it, it's a it's a really good play i mean we got a, a tailback that can really run so i mean that's why yeah you know we're we're heading up to to nebraska <clears throat> to to see a little bit of the stuff they do kind of they they do a little bit of the inside zone bash off of it you know the, the ends okay. the ends in this this state squeeze so hard i mean it's it's way different than it was in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, everything was odd front, so it made it really difficult to run yeah. a place like that. But up here, you know, everyone plays tight fives. It's an even front. They squeeze really, really hard. So if you got a running back, you know, that can, that can really stretch it, it becomes a really good play for you because it plays against so many of their rules. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you, get, you, get, you get an easy five yards out of that. You, get, you steal a quick five yards, five, six yards. You, and I mean, what we did is we came back, uh, we would come to empty, we'd go to empty and we'd motion that kid back there and then we'd run a uh, power pitch, uh, you know, with it. And the thing was, was looking at it, like, then you'd start getting those linebackers jetting out of there because they knew they were going outside to that, uh, toss. And then that kid would just cut right underneath at that quarterback and give you some yards. So. Harp, you know what he's talking about when he's saying power pitch? Yeah. It looks like, is it the one that looks like option? Yeah, similar to so rather than yeah, bringing the yeah. back across like on power read, he's yeah, stopping. I've seen them and they kind of do that little pitch out, or that the quarterback will keep it. I've seen a few Texas teams do it. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think I saw a clinic on uh, they they did power read like three different ways, and that was one of them. Yeah, it's a really good play. It's 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 like I said, super effective against like I said, you know, up here you got bigger five techniques that, that a lot of them don't run really well, but so they squeeze everything really, really hard and you get an opportunity to really get outside on those guys and out leverage people. I've seen some teams do it and I don't know if it was with power read, but they do like a, uh, a fake zone read and they end up either running. I don't know if it's power read or uh, toss or if it was option, but it was, it was kind of uh, interesting with how they did that to try to 
to try to uh, screw with that backside defensive end. They made it look like zone away, but then turned it into – it was either option or power like read. Speed, yeah, speed option. option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple of good things. Like I said, you study enough of the of the UCF stuff. They got a, a ton of the the misdirection. So, you know, Lionel zone one direction. The backs going speed sweep the opposite direction. He's still reading that end, just like power read. You know, that end closes on the zone. He's handing off the the speed sweep. And if you know, obviously the the guy runs with the sweep. A couple of times they got it up. Now the quarterback would either hit it down the pipe. Or they actually ran a couple of pretty cool RPOs off it. It turned into like sprint out. So they'd be faking nice. the back faking the back across and then the quarterback would run sprint out. And he actually had a, a couple of options on the front side there too. So like I said, man, I'm, I'm anxious to get out there and see some of the, the different things yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're you know, we're probably not one of these teams that can line up and, and smoke people enough. So we're looking for a couple of advantages and we we're lucky we got some pretty good skill kids we can get the ball to on the perimeter too. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Coach. Sorry. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I've always kind of been curious with some of those quarterback uh, read teams, the ones that don't have a super athletic quarterback, you know, how much of it is called from the sideline and how much are they letting their quarterback actually read it and, and how you could kind of implement some of that stuff because uh, it seems like for the most part with a team, if, you don't, if you're not going to do it a lot, uh, you kind of know what the defensive end is going to do. So, um, you know, have him carry out the fake well, make it look like it's a read until uh, you, you see the end doing what you, you think he's going to do and then go ahead and start making that call. You know, I, I, I'm kind of interested in figuring out how many teams do that and then how many teams just go ahead and straight up read it. Yeah, to me it seems like it's a legitimate question because, I mean, you, you sit there and you do watch some of the end zone film, you're wondering – you know, he's not really looking at like he's reading anybody, you know. It just seems like it is a straight give. So, I think that, that could be a legit question to ask some of these guys. Well, that's the one that I see with North Dakota State that, that is uh, the most interesting to me is, you know, they lock that backside tackle on the end and they run pin and pull uh, and read the three technique where some of the times you're like, I think the quarterback could have kept it. So, um, it'd be nice. And, and, you know, we're heading up to Wyoming to talk to them. So, maybe we get some – insight there but be nice to kind of know you know what are they doing are, are they actually reading them or is it just kind of a call and and just by looking like he's reading them it, it's keeping them honest like they want coach pass you guys read most yeah. of your stuff or is it all just straight up you know give stuff are you guys teaching everything as a read well it, i mean it's it's a read but you know what you see from kid to kid like what you guys were just talking about like i mean there are some kids that you knew were reading there's some kids too that you knew they were going to predetermine that every time you knew some kids too. Oh, Hey, here we are on the goal line and you're going to keep that and just try to outrace them to the point to get that score. And I mean, it, it, like you guys have brought up, I think, especially high school, especially high school. And you know, you see a lot of kids, they're just predetermining that. And they're not, I mean, they're going to they're like, uh, and they know this too. They get up there, they see it, man, I could beat that kid in a foot race. I'm going to take that thing and keep it to get my yard. So. <laughs> that's always hard, especially with quarterbacks, and that's always been my problem with RPOs is you give them a chance to, to call their own number, they're going to take it. They, yeah. they, they want to do it, which isn't always a bad thing if you got a, if you got a really great one, but uh, sometimes you'd like for them to, to do the right thing instead of calling their own number. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our RPO, my brother always calls it rather pass often. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know. You can't really blame it, man. Q QBs are they're most of those guys are worried about stats. So a lot of them don't want to be able to hand it off. Well, Coach Pass, man, we're getting uh, we're getting close kind of to the end here, and uh, I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna let Harper ask his last question about offensive line, man. But it's been it's right. been awesome awesome having you on here, man. Seriously, we appreciate it. Thanks, thanks. I hope I see you out there in Nebraska. I'm looking. I mean, I'm pumped. I'm pumped about that clinic. I've never been out there for the clinic, so. I hope I run into you. You know, it'll be a good time. Oh, no doubt. Well, Coach, uh, you know, to try to kind of get you out of here, um, that's what I ask everybody is, is you're watching film and you're looking at an offensive line from another team. Uh, what would they be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line, Coach? Uh, I think uh, feet on contact. Like, I mean, you know, you see – I mean, you look at a team where, you, uh, you know, their angles are crisp, uh, their feet on contact, and – 
you could just tell like those kids, man, are on point. I mean, you know, they're not doing the old get upfield, look around, stare. Oh man, I'm, you know, I'm looking for, you know, somebody to block. I think it's looking at their feet, looking at their feet on contact. Awesome. Well, hey, Coach, we really appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, thanks for taking a little bit of time out, talking Thank some you. football with us. Uh, we, we love it. We get, to, uh, we get to sit down with coaches and, and pretend like we're in a uh, football office and get to, get to hang around dudes that like to talk football. So, uh, you know, we, we love it, and we really appreciate you taking the time to do that with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very oh, much. Awesome, Don. We'll see you out in Lincoln, man. We'll have some, uh, some yep. pork chops out there. There we go. All right. <laughs> all right dude take it easy we'll talk to you soon and that's going to do it for this episode of rtp we want to again thank our sponsors powerlift sky coach and team attack academy you guys make sure and go check them out help grow our community by telling other coaches about run the power and if you enjoy running the power go get your shirt long sleeve or hoodie at runthepower.com also if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast Simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram and you can find that at runthepower. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.